And welcome back to an episode of Even More Mashed Up, the Woo-hoo. pop culture podcast featuring two professors talking about all things pop culture. I'm Patrick. Almost nailed that opening. <laughs> and, and I'm Alan. We're talking about all... I'm a little rusty. We've been well, a, a we've, we've been a... we've been away for a little while. We were here so. last week, but before that, there was a long gap. Yeah, but yeah, you're a little rusty. Little There's rusty. New season, like you, know, you gotta you gotta. Work it's like your when way you first up. time you ride the bike, you're a little awkward. Right. You got after a long layoff. Okay, good. I'm glad you followed that because I didn't quite catch that. For me. Zach is here with us. Yes, doing heroic duty given his really brutal schedule mm-hmm. on Mondays. So much appreciated. Yep. yep. So I have a riddle for you. Oh no. What do you get? When you cross a really, really sad person with a surprisingly good race car from the 70s. I don't know. You get a blue beetle. <laughs> Herbie, the love bug, right? He was a beetle. He was, was a vo- Well, he was a bug. Bug and beetle, I think, are two different things, aren't they? He oh, was are a vo- they? He was a Volkswagen bug. I thought he was a... Oh, darn it. The whole, I thought, the whole riddle falls yeah, apart I thought then. Bug was, I thought bugs and beetles were... Are they the same car or are they different cars? I always thought of them as Volkswagen I, bugs. That's what I, we always called them. I thought it was a like a beetle was a bug. But Zach is currently researching. Excellent. Clearly, we're not running a... Crack team. A car talk kind of show here. <laughs> oh, we should. Does that Would car you have... like me to read what Google says? Sure. <laughs> Does it have three wheels or four wheels? Known as the bug or in other parts of the world, the Koffer, German for Ooh. beetle, it was originally intended as part of Adolf Hitler's plan oh, for a people's oh. car in Good. Germany, so, a Volkswagen. Starting the new season with a Nazi. Yeah, yeah. nailed it. Did not it. know that I was stepping in. That's you guys okay. brought it up. I, 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 I had what I feel is now a somewhat better idea for an opening. Yes. Which was that we were going to say we're talking about Blue Beetle. Yes. And whether or not the film gets too much of a bad rap. Because the suit wraps around him and it's bad. Oh. See, it really helps if you don't see the W there. See, if it's a visual, the problem is it's more of a visual joke. Yeah, it's a bad yeah. rap. I feel, I feel as if mine was better. I could tell mine was better because you really winced. When I, said I winced more at the fact that somehow I didn't realize you, you couldn't answer. Couldn't answer the question. I was like, I was looking for something deeper than just Blue Beetle, which of course is the topic of today's show. Which makes sense. The riddle would be about. It that. would make sense about that. Yes, totally stumped you. It did. It did. Yeah, I'm perhaps not. Not at all things while I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, it might, might take me a while to get back in the groove here yes, on the first day I, of classes. I feel like, well, for some of us. that's Well, I mean, I was here, well, been, and there were classes. That's true. So just it is the first day of cla- classes. Did I say the first day of my classes? No, no I just said first day of classes. True. You kind of acted like you had taken on some kind of burden today, though. Well, I mean, I was in my office. Well, that's hard to argue with. So yeah, you were sitting kind, at a desk. Kind of today, a bar- burden, so. getting my getting my syllabi sort of ready. What? <laughs> wow, you are. Barden. Are you okay today? <laughs> Apparently, this day you, took you, a lot out of me. <laughs> you were really. <laughs> yeah, sitting in my office just kind took of a lot out of me today. Scuffling along today. Yeah, it's a lot. I'm sorry. That's fine. That's sorry. But we're off to a great start. We are, because you know what we're talking about today. Um, Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. <laughs> just trying to pivot a back. Sad race car. Yeah, surprisingly successful. Sad in Nazi race car. Well, mm-hmm. no, when I watch those Disney shows, I don't think, Hit, like, Herbie never hiled Hitler or anything. Like, I don't, Herbie wasn't a Nazi, was he? Oh, my God. Wait, are you telling me I need to go back? So somebody in my film class today said. It, is a, it, it might be interesting to watch the Herbie films with the Nazi subtext. <laughs> well, somebody in my film class today, somebody said their favorite film of all time was Top Gun. 
Mm, oh. And another student said, you have to watch that film understanding that it's really about Tom Cruise's character yeah. coming to grips with his sexuality. Mm. And kind of like wrestling with coming out of the closet. And I've never watched the yeah. movie in that way. So you're saying the same that we should think about. Possibly. Also, remind yeah. me after we're done recording to mention my Herbie joke, because I don't think it's something okay. I can say yeah, on I'd the actual not, podcast. I'd rather you not use it then, but... Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll you know, after the show. But it's, I, it's pretty so good. I, I watched the Herbie movies when I was a kid. I did too. Love the Herbie movies. I don't think they were Nazi. I don't know. we have to go back and check. Yeah. Mm. So. Well, it's Disney, so... Yeah. So 50, where 50. would you like to start with, with Blue Beetle? Well, I would say fun facts. Nah, I, I don't need to do fun facts. I know. I'm so excited that you're not bringing any fun facts. Oh, no, there. I do have them, but they're, oh. I don't need them. I've got a lot else to say, but I felt like I had to have them just for... Oh, so can I just sit back and let you pontificate today? No. Oh, well, maybe. <laughs> I've, got, I've got lots of thoughts about Blue Beetle. Uh, Blue Beetle, I will say this, to mm-hmm. its credit, gave me more things to talk about than I thought it might. Yes, I would agree. I, I'm I, not saying that makes it a good movie. It is a, I would say it is a, it is a movie not without its flaws, but I do have to say that I actually ended up enjoying it more Uh, than I expected. Which means what though? If I were to rank it among the DCEU films, Mm -hmm. it might be number two for me behind Wonder Woman. What would be number three? Man of Steel. Well, see, there you go. I mean, I mean, well, for, I, I actually like Man of Steel. Right. And then, for me, the drop-off in the DCU comes after Man of Steel. Yeah. I, um, to me, I, I, I see what you're saying. So. It felt like a pretty standard superhero movie oh, to me in its structure and yes. whatnot. And so it was hard to distinguish in that way. I think, for a couple of reasons, that's actually one of my thoughts, is that yeah. I think Blue Beetle is, in many ways, a classic case of bad timing. Because, number one... So, DC... Yeah. So number one yes. is the fact that that we're still laboring under kind of the lame duck nature of all the DC stuff right now because we've got the James Gunn right. reboot and Gunniverse. And as much as they keep trying to you know say, well, Blue Beetle, you know, he's the first DCU character, yeah. but not the first DCU film. And I'm like, well, that's not making things confusing. I don't at even all. know what that means. Yeah, I don't, well, because they want to say that Superman Legacy is going to be the first of the new DCU films. But the Blue Beetle is going to be in that universe? Apparently, but this is not, yeah. That, 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 I have, I, again, I, the whole point was to be making the new DCU like more organized, and they seem to be failing that out of the gate. So I have universe questions for you, but we can come to so those it, later. So it's, okay. a, so it's a classic case of bad timing in that sense as well. Yeah. I think it's also bad timing in the sense that if this had maybe come out... I don't know, around 2010, a little bit before, a little bit after, I think it would have been much better well-received. I think you need about 20 years, but I think you're right. Like I say a, that about a lot of superhero Yeah, like I feel, I that. feel, and, and, and there's also ways, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it, there's ways that, that the film, I think, is sort of, of pulling against itself in terms of what to me felt like things it felt it had to do and things that I kind of wish it had done instead. Yeah. Yeah, because there actually are some really interesting things. There's some moments that I thought were really effective in this film. Yeah, but then there there's a lot about the film that got got in the way. I mean, to be completely honest, I was not enjoying the film for the first half, particularly because of the subtle and nuanced portrayal of Rudy by George Lopez. Um, yeah, George Lopez. Yeah, he's... in the first half, like I was I was struggling, and then there's yeah. a point at which yeah. 
it shifted and like I was like, okay, this is actually kind of it was starting to do more of the things that I would have liked. I'm not sure I felt so. quite the same level of shift, but I didn't also feel the same strong distaste for yeah i could i I couldn't deal with him good thing he's a a tech genius yeah it's a little it's a little deus ex machina the the, uh the whole reyes family sort of has all these talents that just sort of pop up when you need them what were the other talents? i I I was thinking nana oh see yeah i i that was actually something that i kind of liked Um, didn't care for it just in terms not so much in terms of what they did but more in terms of the implications of what they did okay yeah, um, but it was what they did that was. What, but yeah, they, they, they yeah, did. Rudy all of a sudden being this tech genius. I was like, well, that's convenient. Yeah, that, just, like just you haven't up. mentioned that before, and he's like, I'm gonna go build and something. Gran- and Grandma knows how to wield high tech firearms. Well, to be fair, it's it's just like a Gatling gun. It looks quite a quite a bit different. Mm. But maybe the the mechanism is the same. Yeah, I so, suppose. Who, but yeah, I, 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 I the, am not. I'm not a car expert, yeah. nor am I an arms expert. Yeah. So. So yeah. So the, the other thing is that, and, and I think this probably goes to your point as well. The film is also a mashup of a lot of other films. It's basically like Iron Man, kind of crossed with Venom, with kind of a little bit of like Green Lantern and Shazam in terms of Jaime being overwhelmed by his powers. Well, here's. So my description of that was this: If you took Iron Man one. Mm-hmm. And they had a baby with Spider-Man. I don't care which Spider-Man franchise you take. Mm-hmm. And the CW served as a midwife. Mm. This is the film you would get. Yeah, yeah. Because it was a little CW-fied. So I took Hope with me. Right. After 10 minutes, she literally turned sideways in the lounger and wanted to go to sleep. And I made her stay awake. I'm like, no, I should watch mm-hmm. watch the film. But she she was ready to go to bed. Because within 10 minutes, she she says, this is totally plagiarized. And it, mm. it sort of does – there's so much about Jaime Reyes that could be kind of unique and interesting. Yes. Yes. And it, it gets a little bit trapped in mm-hmm. all of the, the superhero tropes that we've already seen. Mm-hmm. Had this movie come before Iron Man mm-hmm. and before Spider-Man, mm. it looks like a different film, Yeah, I think. So we've written about the Peter Parker trope in the mm-hmm. way in which in the comic books, Jaime Reyes is made relatable. Yeah to white readers mm-hmm. by kind of living that Peter Parker mm-hmm. trajectory. And I think that can work, but I'm not sure it totally does work in this film. Yeah, well, I think that, and that in terms of like the tension that I talked about yeah. the film, there's ways in which that it felt to me the film wanting to do stuff that would have made it like the Latinx version of Black Panther. Yeah. But not going there because they had to kind of water things down for a white audience. Well, see, one of the things that I thought was interesting about the film was that might be true, but there were other things they didn't water down for a white audience, although they they tended to be very ephemeral things. Such as? So references to telenovelas that mm. most white audience members probably are not familiar with. That was one. Um, there's a Sabado Gigante reference. Mm-hmm which I know only because I lived in El Paso for a right. couple of years and I used to watch the show mm-hmm. on Saturday nights. There there are these kinds of references. There's Spanish language exchanges that aren't translated. Yeah, there are a few, in, yeah. In subtitles on the screen. So I'm not saying they're doing it all the time. Yeah. But but the film did in some ways not sort of spoon feed. Yeah, all of I think it, the which I found I found somewhat surprising. Yeah, I mean there's there's things and there's other things like that that I appreciated about the film. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it just felt to me like they were sort of limited and kind of gestured at things that I wish the film had done more of. Well, 
part of the problem is it's trapped in having to be Iron Man meets Spider-Man birthed by yeah. CW, and there's not enough time to explore. To me, a lot of the film, narratively and visually, felt a little superficial in that way. Some moments. I, there, there were a couple of moments that I felt really worked, Yeah, particularly I, visually. I, but I, there were also moments where the film didn't trust the visuals. It, I, I, I found Palmera City, for instance, just to be... Oh, I have lots of thoughts about Palmera City. Not very... Oh, I do too. Yeah. Not particularly interesting. But I don't want to bounce around too much. Yeah. So I don't know well, where you want to go. Well, why don't we go to Palmera City? Okay. So, because yeah, I, I, I agree with you that particularly, you know, in the film, but also just thinking about it in the tradition of the fictional cities in the DC Comics universe, like right. Gotham, Metropolis. Metropolis. I would say Starman's Opal City is another one. Who's? What? Starman's... Oh, no, it's, there's not an Opal City. There is, yeah. It, 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 the Starman series in the 90s, one of the things it's actually hailed for is creating a fictional city that actually feels like it's got its own identity. Zach, did you know there was an Opal City? All right. And he's okay. a Shazam fan, That's, so he's, no. he's he's in the margins. They're in Fawcett. Of... They don't count. Um, but yeah, yeah but... What do you mean they're in Fawcett? That's the city they're in. No. They're in Fawcett really? City. Well, because they came from, I think they came right. from yeah, Fawcett yeah. Comics, no, but okay. I think their city's Where does Wonder City. Woman go to work? Uh, Gateway was her fictional city. Okay. I thought that was Green Lantern. No, he's Coast City. Because it's on the West a, Coast. Such a dummy. Well, I hope it's on the coast at least. Green Arrows was Star City. Like, that's the one that's yeah. really lame. Like, that's kind of... But, so, so... Anyway, please. Yeah, we're getting off track. So, yeah. So, there is kind of this tradition of, like, the made-up city having a kind of character... And kind of unique nature to it, right? And I don't. And Paul, number one, I kind of wish they had just stuck with El Paso and actually oh, did, did got, something. El Paso got job with by this movie. like the the because you know I, I the one thing we get a sense of about Palmera City, yeah, is the divide between where the Latinx characters live and sort of the the big where where Cord, Cord and, and LexCorp Lex and all of those the gentrified things are. part of the well, not city. even the gentrified the part that's all like the gleaming metropolis, right? Uh, and that's one of the moments where, like, there's this great moment where Jaime and and uh, his sister Milagros are sitting on the roof. And there's a great shot that just captures that divide. Yeah. But then, of course, they have to have Milagros spell out the divide. And I was like, I right. wish you would just kind of let the images speak well, for yourself. But part of it is, is you know, we see – we. We don't really get much of a sense, I would say, of where the Reyes family is. Right. In like, there's little glances of gentrification and things like that, but that space is not as well defined as a Latinx space as it could have been. No, that's that's true. I'm, it gets me thinking. Yeah. No, I think I think that's true. I think that the the image and the speech that you're talking about are emblematic of, of a bigger issue I think I have with it. The film mm-hmm. wants to be political, and I want to mm-hmm. eventually talk about the politics yes, I've, I've of the film. A like lot the film on that. is, for DC, I think surprisingly overtly political in some ways. Yeah. In way in certain moments, yeah. There's... Yeah, right. Now, imperfectly, but, but when they're speaking it, mm-hmm. like didactically, this is a very politically, in, like it's meant to be progressive mm-hmm. kind of film. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I think, is the intent. Yes, of it. I think that when you take the social political critique that you want to make mm-hmm. and you take it out of El Paso, that's a real American city, mm-hmm. and you situate it in Palmera, mm-hmm. which is a make believe city, mm-hmm. which is, a, I kind of Googled around on the web somewhere in the United States. Yeah, we never, it, it's, I don't think they it, ever it, identify where it is. To me, it, it immediately sort of 
starts to pull the punch mm-hmm. politically because the political criticism they're making is supposed to be about the United States, mm-hmm. but it's not really. Mm-hmm. It's really about a fictional city of Palmyra. Mm-hmm. And you could have sat it in El, in El Paso and still done almost all of the political messaging mm-hmm. they wanted to do and grounded it in a real place mm-hmm. that would make it feel real. And I think I think that that abstraction to Palmyra mm-hmm. is a real problem yeah. for the film in that way. Well, and I would add to that if they wanted to keep it with sort of the the fictional city of Palmyra, yeah. then they need to do what Black Panther did with Wakanda and make it feel like a real lived place because now they, they don't have the right. this is el paso this is sort of our our that this is america this is america yeah. like they yeah. needed to, they needed to ground it even further in sort of giving us a sense of particularly where jaime and his family live because all we ever really see of that community any kind of detail is just their house right and, and so and, that so there's that i think that's the other issue is that they can do palmera city but it means they need to give us even more of a sense of of what the edge keys, I think, is where they're called. Yeah, but it, but it runs the risk of um, oh, the, the, it's escaping me. The Lin Manuel Miranda film that you in the heights about. in the heights. Yes, that even a well developed community there, mm-hmm. if it's not connected yeah. in a meaningful way to the world, the American, the United States of American world that surrounds yeah. it, becomes problematic in making a real critique. Yeah. You could you can't build a Palmyra city that's. That's cut off. Like the, the, mm-hmm. the using El Paso it is a is a kind of grounding in the real mm-hmm. world. Here, though, like the the gleaming skyscrapers of mm-hmm. LexCore and Cord Corporation, all that mm-hmm. that could be anywhere. Yeah, it doesn't have to be America. They they would be building those yeah. in in um, Managua. They would well, be building or those Dubai. Right, right. I, and so I just feel as if yeah. And again, and, and many times I. The, the good intentions are trapped by those comic book conventions mm-hmm. that were going to kind of create these ridiculously named mm-hmm. cities. So yeah. that that was one of my biggest... Yeah, no, and, I... And you I, knew I was going to complain about El Paso. Yeah. But I think I've turned it into a legitimate... Oh, complaint. no, it's, I, had the, I had, again, I had much the same critique, is that I, I really think the film would have been better off keeping the setting as El Paso and just having, you know, the LexCore and Core, core things being built in yeah. one section of El Paso versus another section... But even with that, I still feel like we would we needed a, a stronger grounding. Or I would have liked a stronger grounding in kind of the Latinx community, the edge yeah. keys there beyond yeah. just the Reyes house. I just think about I th- I think about filming this in El Paso, mm-hmm. where every day when I lived in El Paso, I drove around Interstate 10 to yeah. get to work at the community college, and it's right along the Rio Grande, mm-hmm. and so you see yeah. that 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 contrast in wealth and mm-hmm. poverty, it's right there. Yeah. You, you don't need to do anything mm-hmm. else except put in a few CGI skyscrapers mm-hmm. downtown and you've yeah. got, you've got it and it's actually real and it's grounded mm-hmm. in the real world and it's not in the edge keys, which according, like I, I looked at various DC wikis might be in Texas, might be yeah. generically in the United States, but it just, yeah. for any, for whatever it wants to accomplish, I think the setting of Palmera is a, is a, problem yeah well and 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 to tie back into kind of an earlier point you know i think that setting and the problems with it is why certain elements of the film rely too heavily on telling versus showing that that there's a lot that this film sort of has the characters tell us about the edge keys and and other aspects there's there's that scene where 
um, Jenny Cord and Jaime are at her house and she's kind of comparing the two families and yeah. talking about how great Jaime's family is. And I'm like, for the first half of the film, like Jaime's family have largely been kind of clownish and buffoonish. Like the idea that they're this great family that yeah. Jenny has seen, I'm like, I don't think we've seen enough of that. Yeah. So she has no, to, she has to tell us that. And so there, there's, right. they run into the issue of that too, is that because Palmera City's not as fully realized as a space, they have to tell us that right. it is. And maybe I've said this before, because they're doing an origin story and a villain arc mm-hmm. and introducing Jaime's family and mm-hmm. introducing Palmera City, it just it starts to feel superficial after a yeah. while. It starts to feel as if none of these things are really getting sufficient development. Yeah. Well it's it's the film I think does end up, I think, trying to do too much and ends up a bit overstuffed. Like I think like one of the things that I don't really think we get as much of is the relationship between Jaime and the Scarab. Right. Like there's, that, yeah. like there's that great, you get you get the early part on where, you know, Jaime's having to hold the scarab back. Right. And then you get the flip of that at the end where the scarab's holding Jaime back. Yeah. But that moment doesn't resonate as much as it could because we don't really see as much of Jaime and the scarab interacting. Yeah, and it, it muddles the, like in many ways, Jaime is was interesting to hope initially as a hero because mm-hmm. he, was, he was trying not to inflict harm mm-hmm. on others. But the kind of the lesson he learns by the end of the film is he's going to kill? Well, I would I would tweak that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I think the way I would I guess try to redeem that a little bit, yeah, is the way in which you can sort of read it as how kind of the the capitalist slash imperialist sort of force that Cord represents is turning Jaime against, and I always forget the the is it Carapax? Carapax turning the two Latin X characters against each other, yeah. And having them do violence to each other when, in fact, Cord's the one doing a much greater violence to them. That it's kind of turning them against each other as opposed to the real Which means you like the the end of the film better than me, probably, where Carapax drags Victoria Cord off to her death. Yes. Because the violence is now being directed in the right direction? Yes. For me... Yes. Obviously a Quaker pacifist. Yes, that would be... It is... It re- it reminded me so much of the end of Batman Begins, mm-hmm. where Batman, oh, yes. where Batman no. says to Ra's al Ghul, like, I, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. Mm-hmm. And then he plummets, he jumps off the plane, or the train, and the train yeah. derails, and, and Ra's is killed. Mm-hmm. I mean, Batman is, in some ethical, moral way, mm-hmm. complicit in Ra's al Ghul's death, yeah. if, even if he hasn't, like, it's a sin of omission, but it's still mm-hmm. a sin, right? Yes. And to me, it had that same kind of vibe. I, I I would have loved to have seen a very different kind of hero because Jaime is a very different kind of hero yeah. in various ways, act differently mm. in that situation. But mm. again, he sort of condones the violence. And so he can walk off screen and he's unsullied mm-hmm. by it. But is he really? Let me pitch another redemption effort okay. at you. Okay, all right. I, 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 you know, I, I, in the comics, you know how much I like I know. Jaime Reyes. Like, I know, but I, he, I'm a big fan of what he does in the comics. So I want to tie it back into the moment earlier in the film when Rudy and the family are in the Blue Beetle taking on all of the cords guard, cord guards. And yeah. there's the moment where, like, they stab the dude right through the leg. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is really, like, it's a really kind of violent moment. Yeah. Let me pitch to you. Yeah. That scene is the counterpart to the scene in Gun Suicide Squad where all the Latinx rebels are killed off as a joke. In yeah. Blue Beetle, we get the faceless corporate drones killed off as a joke by the Latinx characters. 
Eh? So you think it's revenge? Eh? Yeah, I'm not, it's, it's, I'm not big it's on the revenge thing. Not revenge. I it's more of a. Revenge, it's I, more I, of a. You know what's good for the goose, good for the gander type thing. Maybe, but it was. It was a. It was a. Again, is hope and I commiserated at the end. How great mm-hmm. would it be to have a pacifist superhero to tell mm-hmm. a story that's not like every other story? Because Jaime doesn't kill, but everyone else does. The Blue Beetle ship, while it's being driven mm-hmm. by whoever kills, oh, yeah. Nana is mowing down people yes. left and right. Again, yep. the Blue Beetle lets Carapax kill Victoria. And so there's there's the sense that he's a different hero, mm. but he's not. Mm. It, it, there's a sense that it's a different film, but it's not. Yeah. I just I, I know I, I'm on repeat for this stuff, but I feel as if the genre of the superhero mm-hmm. is capturing... The motives that might do more if they were able to think outside the motives. Yeah. Or oh no. The I, yeah. No, I, I, the I can, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that's incorrect. And by the way, did did the Blue Beetle ship look a lot like the Owl ship from Watchmen? I you, think they just took. You do realize yeah. that Night Owl did and they, the ship in Watchmen. Is, is based, based on the Blue Beetle? Yeah, it's based oh, on Blue why, Beetle. Why would I realize that? Have I ever read a Blue Beetle comic the book The Watchmen character. Oh, how have we not mentioned this? On the, the Watchmen characters are all based on the Charles. It's, it's Blue I know Beetle. That, it's I didn't question. Know it was Blue Beetle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Night Owl is so they the translated dust, version so they just of Blue Beetle. So dusted Be- off the old CGI and plugged it in. Well, I don't know about that, but... I bet if you but yeah, I mean, look, I mean, be... Night Owl in Watchmen is blue is, is, blue is based on Blue Beetle. Huh, so he's the, a Nazi the, the, too? the classic version, not the not Reyes, but right. the so Ted Cord version. He's a Nazi too, then. No, I thought we established the Blue Beetle was a Nazi. We did not establish that. A we sad Nazi. We talked about no. We said just that Herbie some... might be a Nazi. Oh, You're confusing okay. who we're calling a Nazi. <laughs> okay. I can't believe Herbie's a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, that is. By the way, when you write the tag for this show, mm-hmm. Herbie a Nazi is definitely the way to go. Yeah. So while we're on the topic of care packs, can I pitch another idea for you? You may if you wish. Okay. So we get at the end or near the end, we get the flashback to Carapax's past. Yes. Which happens very quickly. Very quickly. And we see sort of his mom being killed and him being found by Cord and, and, and sort of everything. Kind of trained up in the school yeah. of the Americas. So let me pitch this to you. Yeah. Carapax yeah. is what Andor would have been if he'd been found by someone with imperial loyalties, not rebel loyalties. That's an interesting idea. That's, I, I, I can live with that. Yeah. yeah I, 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 the more, the more it went, I really found, again, the film I don't think did quite as much as they could have. Yeah. But there are some really interesting implications about Carapax and how he, even as a tool of Cord and supposedly like, you know, Sarah Sarandon, right. Victoria Cord's kind of yeah. second in command. Sarah Sarandon? Sarah Sarandon. No, it's Susan Sarandon. It is, in fact, Susan, Susan Sarandon. Sarandon. Sorry. That the are way... You, are that, you okay today? I'm fine. Okay. I'm fine. I just want to make... I just... I want to check in. I'm just, you know, it's... I'm, I'm not, at, I'm not in mid-semester form. You're not in mid-semester yeah. form. Mid-season form. Yeah. But there is kind of this scent that that particularly early on when she talks about and alludes to what they've done to his body and the way in which the Carapax represents the violence done yes. to Latin X bodies. Like that yeah. there's a whole thread there that because the film's doing other things, it can't dig into as much as I would like. But there 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 and, and there's thing like I, I probably give the film credit for some of the ambition I see no. in what it wanted to do that yeah. it just didn't give itself the room to do. I, I think that's true. So and that kind of like pulls us back towards politics. Mm-hmm. Because for a DC film, mm-hmm. this was, I thought, 
fairly overtly progressive mm-hmm. in some of the politics. Like when it's talking about damage done to the Latinx body, mm-hmm. that's not what you see in The Dark Knight. It's not what you see yeah. in The Suicide Squad. Like, no. There, there is... Well, you see damage done to Latinx right. bodies yeah, but, in The Suicide Squad, but in a completely different context. But not in a politically progressive way. Like, Correct. And it's, it's rare for DC to be this overtly mm-hmm. political and this overtly progressive, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't mistake the messaging of it. Mm-hmm. As Hope said to me before she... You know, settled in for her now she appreciated some of the politics of Mm -hmm. the film if not the film yeah if that makes sense yeah but i mean kudos to dc they're making a film centered on mexican and Mm -hmm. mexican-american protagonists Mm -hmm. and antagonists to some extent Mm -hmm. um mexican immigrants are at the center of the film Mm -hmm. there's it has to be discussed who's legal and who's not legal yeah. in the family. But but they, there is a conversation mm-hmm. about immigration. There's the economic oppression that you mm-hmm. were talked about, not just the gentrification, but the kind of work that Jaime, a yep. college graduate, can get when mm-hmm. he comes back to Palmera, that Victoria never gets Sanchez's name. Yeah. Correct. And by the way, how great to see Gizmo I, I, kind of branching out like into an... I into thought it was great until what eventually genre. happens to Gizmo. Well, and I'm like, oh, that's harsh. I wondered if you felt... Because, you know, you gave me some finger guns on Revenge earlier. I know that when you watched What We Do in the Shadows, you mm-hmm. had a hard time rooting for Gizmo and the vampires because they do these terrible things. But and more the vampires thought, than like, Gizmo. Well, it was more Gizmo's the rest of the vampires. literally recruiting virgins. I know, I know. I feel like... Gizmo, again, you're, like, you're, you're Gizmo's not a somewhat sin of, of omission guy. Like, he's, he's a bit of a victim, too. Gizmo brings the virgins to the house, yeah. but doesn't kill them, yeah. you're Listen, okay with Gizmo. You feel like Gizmo's done... He's not killing the virgins. No. But he doesn't have to save them, either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it does come to a sad end for him. But but it again, like, the point is very clear that the Latinx yeah. body is interchangeable. Yeah. Despite the fact that Victoria Cord needs his expertise, mm-hmm. she doesn't have to know him yeah. or respect him. Yeah, I think part of it, too, for me is that I found – because both Carapax and Sanchez make kind of that same point. Right. And so in some ways I felt a kind of redundancy there in terms of like, oh, that, that I think that's part of why – some yeah. elements of the film don't work because you're kind of using those two yeah. characters to make the same to drive point. the same point. Yeah, I, and I so think that that's was, fair. So, but the film goes on, as I as I said earlier, it notes the school of the Americas at it least does. twice. Yeah, like name checks. Yeah, the school of the Americas, mm-hmm. which is again, it felt how what percentage of the audience watching this film mm-hmm. do you think hears School of the Americas and knows what we're talking about? Very small. Pretty One, small, right? One percent? Yeah, we don't – of course we don't talk about the School of the Americas yeah. because that means we train death squads and we've done yeah. these really terrible I things. I mean, to be honest, I Latin didn't America. know what the School of the Americas was until I saw the fl- the first time it was mentioned. And then I yeah. saw the flashback and I was able to kind of put two and two together. It was yeah. like, oh, yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's not, a, not a good school. So the Sisters of Mercy here have long um, – protested the school yeah. i think it was in georgia okay for quite some time and it, it's it's done these terrible terrible things yeah. like where we have trained up latin mm-hmm. american soldiers to go do the work of imperialism for us mm-hmm. and so that it name checks it twice and doesn't define it is asking a lot of the audience mm-hmm. in many ways i think and i think yeah. maybe like there might be a case where you're asking too much you put it together yeah and so maybe, well maybe others could yeah. but i mean the film is had you told me five years ago that DC was going to make a movie that mm-hmm. critiqued American imperialism via the School of the Americas, I would have told you that you were yeah. taking Zach's psychopharmacology class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Yeah. Sorry, that's a, that 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 was too long a walk to get. Yeah, that, that was a very long but, walk. But I would have said that was I would have said that was absolutely crazy. Yeah. And then more politics. Victoria Cord in charge of is it Cord Industries? I I Cord, don't remember Cord, what Cord, it is. What, like whatever it is. The Cord. It's a it's a corporation. <laughs> a Cord. That's good. Yeah. Is the ultimate embodiment of the military-industrial complex. Yeah. Kind of like a Tony Stark. I kind of enjoy the fact that, you know, it's kind of hard to tell where industry and military end. Like, they're... They're, well, literally they're in Carapax's body. Yeah, exactly. Right? I, 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 that was another thing that I... Another thing that I, I liked about the film, I was like, ooh, that's a really nice kind of blending of military... Because you can't... Yeah. They are the t- they are the cord security forces, but they're very militarized. And they, they you know, they seem... They're very like chummy with the American government, and yeah. not unlike the people being trained at the School of the Americas. Yeah. If they're not officially American yeah. military, they're quasi-American military. Yeah. They're like military. They're they're acting in military maneuvers at mm-hmm. the behest of the American government. Yeah. And Carapax in that way is really interesting to me because mm-hmm. his body is literally the blending of the two. Mm-hmm. Right? He is the military and the yeah. machine combined in a way that completely obliterates well, and and imperialism kind of too. Humanity. Like he's yeah. he's kind of the way in which the imperialism is sort of created. He's he's a pro- that product that he is is a creation of, of imperialism. Right. And and the imperialism then pushes the development cycle further. Mm-hmm. Like this this vicious cycle of yeah. the military industrial complex that kind of leaves us not far from where we are today. Mm-hmm. Especially with debates about AI and what yeah. it may or may not be able to do, there, like there's there's a mm. lot going on here, and of course we saw in the trailer that Rudy literally calls Batman a, a fascist. fascist, right? Like he literally, yeah. and, and Batman, you know, rightfully is mm-hmm. a fascist, and a lot of his suspicions about the government turn out not to be conspiracy theory, but right. kind of true. Like yeah. Rudy's sort of right, and yeah. so there is it builds in all of these ways this political critique mm-hmm. of. Who we are and how we act. Yeah, I want to add one other thing yeah, to that because because yeah. I would say the moment of the film that stood out the most for me mm-hmm. as I thought one of the places where one of the most powerful moments in the film for me politically uh, was the raid on the Reyes's house. Right. Um, which because that comes not long after they have the conversation about who's undocumented and who's not. Right. And I couldn't help but feel. Like it was clearly playing on kind of the Elian Gonzalez moment, and and even and the way in which that it's shot, particularly at the end when we see the Reyes is all huddled in the house, and we're looking at them, which visually puts us in the position of the cord guys that we're the ones sort of. uh, But the the violence of that scene, the fear in that, like that was for me the moment. That was really the moment where the film shifted to me in terms of like, oh, this is starting to move. Yeah. In a better direction. I thought that was probably for me the best part of the film. Like that was the most yeah. effective moment. I can see that. Unfortunately, you also knew the dad had to die. Spoiler alert. I was shocked that I did not think they would go that far. Really? I mean, I, I obviously saw I was like, I oh, just, I was like, he's gonna have another heart attack, yeah. but they're not gonna kill him. It was like so it's a Disney Spider Man y. I'm like, somebody's gotta die. I was I was a little surprised they went that far. Yeah. But so all all of this I think yeah. is I wanna be clear about this remarkable on mm-hmm. the part of DC that this is a much more progressively political film than I would ever imagine yeah. DC making, especially yeah. given what they've made mm-hmm. to this point in some ways. But I feel like in the end it has trouble just like some of the more critical Marvel films have trouble with fully executing that critique mm. because in the end 
the film still finds the solution in vigilante violence True. in killing. And in that way, some of the political punch, I think, gets undermined. And it seems, again, another way in which the superhero genre yeah. is, is, is ensnaring filmmakers who are trying mm-hmm. to do something a little bit bigger. Well, and I also wonder, too, if a lot of the limits on what they are managing to do in the film um, is the best they can manage to do. Like you say, you're surprised that DC lets this film be as political as it is. Yeah. This is probably as political as a DC film probably can be. Right. No, I think that, that's that I think right. in some ways they're they're limited by the producers and, and kind of... of um, and we've talked about that with Marvel as well. That, yeah. That Iron Man 1 and 3 could be read as pretty serious critiques mm-hmm. of the military-industrial complex, but both struggle in the end mm-hmm. to really um, land the punch. Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah, and I think in, in, in some ways I think, you know, some of it too is, is I think, and we, we talk about this in the book somewhat. Which book? Res- is that all new, all different? A history? That's exactly the book I was talking about. Race in the, the American Race in the American Superior. Yeah, that's the book I'm talking about. Is that the one from the University of Texas Press? It is. Available it is. at the University of Texas Press and website. Fine booksellers everywhere. Almost yes. anywhere you want to. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that book. So it was all new, all different. Yes. History of race. History and the American, American history superhero. superhero. Yeah, okay. All right, I just yeah. wanted to, when you said the book. The book, yes. I just want to make sure that because it could be many books. That's true. But if you're gonna cite a book like that, you yeah. probably want to go to one that's a multiple I wouldn't want to offend the book. authors of that book by right. not by not giving them the credit right. they deserve. And noting that it, you'd go to an award winning book, not just an ordinary book. Multiple award winning right. book. Thank Let's you. Make it clear. I'm glad you corrected me because yeah, I don't want to offend that. anybody. Yeah, we gotta fix that. talking about this book. Yeah. But yeah. I think some of this too is limited by because as we talk about in the book. Um DC, yeah. you know, they're, they're super, particularly when we're in kind of the Silver Age and, and prior to the birth of Marvel and what makes Marvel different. Right. DC superheroes are all very generic, very kind of squeaky clean, very right. kind of idealized. You know, part of what made Marvel different, at least initially, is is that Marvel characters had problems. Right. Um, and I think you can see some of that in the film as well. Like, like For sure. DC, part, on the one hand, DC has struggled to make films that live up to the iconic nature of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman in particular. Right. Um, But also, I think in some ways, DC is sort of trapped by the iconic nature in that their their heroes are inherently apolitical. Right. And and that they, you know, there's not, it's not as easy to do that political stuff with DC characters as it may it's be with true. Marvel. Although DC certainly tried to complicate things eventually after Marvel. Yeah. Started. I, well, I, and you can do it with things like Blue Beetle yeah. and maybe Suicide Squad that you can't do with Wonder Woman, Batman, right. Superman. And that's that's the missed opportunity because this could have been their yeah. Black Panther. Yes. This could have been the film that really did something uniquely different yes. in thinking about race and ethnicity. Yeah. And it desperately wants to. Yes, and you but can I'm see. I think the moment, sure it's fully and realized. I think the moments we talk about are where the film just because I, you know, yeah. I know, I know you've said this before too, and I agree. We don't want to critique the film for not being the film it is. Right. But this film, in so many ways, directly gestures at things it could have been otherwise. It's a fair criticism on our part in that way. That because... that I'm like, there's so like the the Carap- like the Carapax flashback. I'm like, I, I want to see more. Right. I wanted more of that. Right. Like that that flashback in the School of Americas and all that stuff happened so quickly. 
Right. Because you um, could make Killmonger a really interesting yeah, character. He could he could have been a Killmonger. Some time to, to yeah. grow and breathe and, and develop. Yeah. And it's it's almost there, and that's yeah. why I think it's a fair criticism. I it's I think it's what they want. Yeah. They just can't get there. Can I ask you a question about the universe? Sure. So does this is this gonna carry forward? Is is there no. gonna because I apparently Ted Cord is still alive? I I don't know. Is and does anybody care? Does anybody sit through that that post credit scene and, and think to themselves, "Oh damn, Ted Cord is still alive"? No, I don't think anyone. Yeah, except just, your hardcore Blue Beetle fans from the. So the does Justice, anyone? So, so Justice League International days. I mean, he has he has a small coterie of fans. Does he? Kind of uh, like Hawkeye. It's just rude. It's just oh. rude. It's just it's unacceptable. I should have gone with the Adam. Small. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, like, well, like I said, I'm not really, cause yeah, they're trying to sell, and I don't know how much of this is just spin cause they don't want people to completely discard this film. Yeah. Um, by saying that, you know, Blue Beetle is a DCEU film, meaning right. part of the earlier ones, but Blue Beetle, the character is a DCU character to say he could carry on in the new gun version. Uh, yeah, you know, literally my eyes are glazing over like a student listening to me lecture right now. It's It's just... It's too much. Yeah. It's it's too detailed. It's too new. I, well, if, yeah. if the, I mean, you know, if the whole point is that the new Gunniverse is supposed to be a clean slate, like yeah. they've already failed, because now yeah. we've got this question of what is Blue Beetle status, right? Like where 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 does he fit in? And I would love to see him. Like I, the I, the yeah. other thing I would give this film credit for, it's hard for me to think of a character more faithful to the comics. Particularly in terms of the look of the Blue Beetle armor. Yeah. Like, he looks like but Jaime Reyes' Blue Beetle. His struggle to master the powers, too, is very true. Very true. Like, there's a, the there, I mean, it's, it's yeah. a very, there's a lot of things in terms, and, and, and. It's, it's true. Um, the, sure. the actor that plays him, I think, does a great job. Like, yeah. he's, he's a fantastic Jaime. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a good Jaime, I yeah. think, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, I, but it is. It is kind of like. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like. So. Yeah. You know. I guess. I part of it is like. Okay. So, is it going to be the case where like. Yes. If Blue Beetle is successful, he'll carry over. But if not, we're never going to see him again. But that's. It's just the worst. It's like blackmailing, fans. Yeah. Hey, if you want this guy to continue. Mm-hmm. Like, look at poor Shazam. Didn't do box office, and it seems like he's he's done for. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, by the way, that seems like. I, I know we live in a capitalist. It's good that you capitalist you, you society. Do admit to that. I'm starting to come to grips. Oh yeah, with that, starting to acknowledge that that reality, but yeah. that 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 is sort of so obviously the driver of narrative development is just yeah. does it sell? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, yeah. So you are a fan of Nana, in the sense of yes. Give me the sense. Again, it's it, it's the same thing that we've talked about: is the way in which the film sort of gestures to different kinds of Latinx experience and different generations right, right. of Latinx experience, and the way that she obviously, again, it's it's probably more minimal than even some of the other things that we talk about. But she does kind of speak to an anti-imperialist revolutionary past. The right. idea that the older yeah. generations, again, kind of thinking back, we we've talked about this before, particularly early on when we were yeah. teaching and kind of wanting to emphasize the ways in which that not just Latinx characters, but black characters and whatnot, when they're represented, that they're not just shown as victims, that they have some kind of agency. Yeah. And there's some of that. I I, I see the film kind of giving, particularly in the second half of the part of the film with the family, you get some of that. You get like, and and, and the way which that Nana, you know, the one thing that she did prior to that was I think bless Jaime in the beginning of the film. And other than that, she's just around kind of, you know, adding to the general, 
clownishness of the family. It's it's weird though that she clearly wants to be an anti-imperialist revolutionary, but mm-hmm. she's just given up. So I don't know. I just yeah. it, I don't think that I had the response I was supposed to have to yeah. that. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm necessarily it's just like a hell yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I clearly when she takes the braids down, like yeah. I, I at least liked the way that they gestured to it. Again, yeah, I agree with you on the one hand. Rudy all of a sudden being the tech whiz right. completely comes out of nowhere. At the same time, right. you know, it's another moment where they're not just another that, – that primitivist stereotype where they sure. have no sense of technology. But it feels – Where I was like, okay, so there, there was a way – like with that, when, when Milagros is using the glove and they're, yeah. they're but it's, kind of adept at it already, I was like, okay, so we're at least kind of trying to combat that stereotype it, even if it is not done. And it might work if it weren't so obviously forced and from sort of outside of the story. Yeah. And in that way, it feels – condescending in a way yeah i mean it doesn't feel real like rudy doesn't feel well that's it it didn't feel real at first as performance doesn't feel real for most of the movie well well particularly well the the first half like all basically george lopez's character did was scream all the time like i just i I was like this is like uh, i really wish they'd for the first half of the film i was like could we just not have rudy like he's he's killing me in this film um but yeah, like it, it's it's I could I could see again another thing that the film might be interpreted as trying to do. Yeah, ideas about Latinos that it's trying to combat, yeah, but, but maybe not able. But again, because it's trying to do too much because of the limits on it, it's not able to do it especially effectively. But how about making it feel real? Mm. Because it turns out Latinx people can do all of these yeah. things, and it doesn't have to come out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, the, and again, I don't even know how complicated that would be. To, to establish Rudy as yeah. somebody who who has again, worked in tech. But it goes or, back to yeah, the, the yeah. to the earlier point. They don't have, don't give themselves the room, however you want it. They don't right. give themselves the room to yeah. do that early on. Agreed. Agreed. It, there's, again, as with every other superhero movie, one of the problems here is they've got so much they want to stuff in mm-hmm. that you just, there, there's almost yeah. a trilogy. Yeah. It's one of the things I found in interesting film. since, because you and I are working on the book with G. Willow Wilson, yeah. on, on G. Willow Wilson, not yeah. with her. No, she's um, not working with us. And one of the things I found really, because, you know, prior to this summer working on the book, I hadn't read the Ms. Marvel stuff beyond the volume we teach in the class. Yeah. And so it was really interesting to read Ms. Marvel, the comic. Yeah. And realize how far into the series some of the stuff they get to in the first season is. Right. Which was my sense from the get-go. But it's like yeah. the, the problem with a lot of things now yeah. is, and I, and I would say Ms. Marvel, I think Moon Knight's the same way, yeah. is that they're trying to get to everything. Right. Like they've, like, I think Red Dagger, I mean, I finished the first, what, six volumes of, yeah. of Ms. Marvel? Yeah. Red Dagger has shown up, like, for a handful of issues. Yeah. And, and, and that's fleetingly. it. Yeah. Very fleetingly. Yeah. So far, and I'm like, there's obviously more to come for him, but I'm like, the the, the show put that in season one. Yeah. And I'm like, it's the problem right now with some of these shows is that they're putting so much of right. The now, mythology and the story that unfolded over years yeah. into the first thing. If I were going to defend Miss Marvel, I mean, I'm not, I'm not. Which maybe, I, it's not. A, I do like yeah, Miss Marvel, but it is something that I, I, I felt watching it and yeah. felt even more while reading. But I the don't comic. feel like they're trying to cram everything from issue one through her trip to India yeah. or to Pakistan into one, right? Right. That, but using, 
I think that's a really an, an effective way of framing her story. Mm-hmm. And so if you pull, like, I don't know, that's in volume six or whatever. Yeah. If you bring it back and use it, you don't have to f- use everything from the first five volumes as well. And I don't think Miss Marvel's trying to pack everything in, yeah. whereas Blue Beetle feels like, yeah. It does feel like they're trying to pack a lot in. Yeah. I didn't feel that way when I watched Ms. Marvel because I hadn't read the stuff. Yeah. Having read the stuff, it now feels like a little, like, I was like, you might have tried to do a bit too much. Interesting. Interesting. I did have somebody complaining in class today because one of the Harry Potter films wasn't close enough to the book. So you, you'll be happy to know that people are defending the canon. Which uh, which Harry Potter film? Uh, Goblet of Fire, which is my favorite. Yeah. Of oh, them. Really? Of the books or the films? The films. Oh, it's my least favorite of the films. Well... I don't know what to say. Yeah. You can't I mean, I set it. aside the first two because they're just kind of generic, but Goblet well, okay, of Fire. Okay, so, so as long as you don't count the first two, it's your least favorite. Yeah. How's it your least favorite? Well, they're all kind of in there as my least favorite. Okay. Well, my favorite. Anyway, yeah. it, it, we're probably going to drift here a little no, bit. Order of the Phoenix not. is my favorite of the films. I like Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, it's fine. Mm. They're, all, they're all pretty good perfectly films. Perfectly fine. Perfect. No, better than mm, perfectly fine. Nice. I'd say fine. Mm. How is fine better than perfectly fine? Perfectly fine fine sounds a little demeaning. It's perfectly fine. Okay. Anyways, back to... So I thought Blue Beetle ended up being perfectly fine. Yeah, I... I, I, Oh, I I do have... I do have some further critiques. Oh, okay. I'm happy to sit and listen. Well, their use of, of OMAC, I thought, was disappointing. How so? You have to help me with... Well, what? OMAC is is a Jack Kirby creation. Okay. And is basically a guy in orange and blue with a giant mohawk who is a, a one-man army corps. Okay. All and right. so I, when when they first mentioned the OMACs, I could almost feel Jack Kirby rolling over in his grave. So you think he'd be unhappy with it's it? A pretty, it's a pretty yeah. generic kind of take on the OMAC. Um, I suppose, but maybe a more realistic way in which it would be... Yeah, but again, it's also like so many of the other things in that the you know when both for DC and Marvel when they've adapted Kirby properties, with the exception of of that in Thor Ragnarok, it's been very watered down. I feel as if Kirby might be challenging mm-hmm. to adapt. Yeah, yeah. I also there were some some the ending I found very weird to me. Okay, how so? Well, just because in terms of like they're they're just back from you know the funeral right they're all in black and mourning right and then jenny shows up like she just walked off the set of grease as sandy yes in like the leather pants and and then i'm like the motorcycle and the motorcycle which is the other thing too is is she says she's going back to the house and jaime asks oh do you need a ride i'm like she's straddling her motorcycle she doesn't need a ride and then they fly off right like i was like how did the ending of grease come in well at the end of this film two things there um, when you say straddle, like she's literally straddling. She's literally Hope, straddling. Hope was really disappointed because in many ways... Jenny, oh, we also get a couple erection jokes in there too. Right. Jenny feels not as sexualized as a lot of female characters earlier in the film. Yeah, right until... And then and then at the end, it's just all of this work they've done to, yeah. do, to, to create a character that doesn't feel mm-hmm. like a hypersexualized yeah. woman is just trash. Oh, yeah. So, so I, I thought that was... Yeah. Very weird. <laughs> part of me was like, very weird, and it, part of me too was like, "That's the black outfit you choose to wear for mourning. Like yeah. that's not that's not appropriate <laughs> no, funeral was, attire. It was it was it was inappropriate yeah. for the funeral. It was inappropriate for what I thought they were trying to do with the character yeah. throughout, which was to make her more than just a body. Yeah. In the end, she is reduced to just a body mm-hmm. in a in that classic grease way. Yeah. And then. The fact that as he becomes Blue Beetle, like everybody in town is just looking the other direction. I'm like, come on. Well, see, I sort of read it as there's no way 
the entire community does not know he is Blue Beetle. Oh, I see. I I think if I'd have to go back and watch it again, which I probably won't. Yeah. That I thought everybody literally turns their back at that moment. Like, I can't. You're, you possi- you're possibly the right. You might be right. All looking in the other direction. You might be right. And I thought to myself, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 But luckily, Jenny, who can't get herself to her old house, now has a man. Yeah, on her souped up, you know, <laughs> clearly very expensive, you know, right. Lamborghini of bikes. That so she like, rides like a supermodel. Yeah, exactly. But she needs a man to get her there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about the flying off as a Grease. I, I was, I'm like, I'm like, like, later I was like, how did we end, get the ending of Grease here? It was like, like there's, that, there's, I mean, kind of thinking about, like, talking about, like, the film being plagiarized. I'm like, yeah. Grease is in there, it's yeah. Iron Man, it's Venom, it's like... It's 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 a very sort of like pastiche kind of film, and that devil, you love no, a pastiche. I do love a pastiche. Though, so. Oh, trust me, I, I, there's lots of things I, I I may I may write about Blue Beetle in this regard. I'm like, ooh, yeah. there is kind of a, but it, it does kind of, and even like the first half and the second half of the film are totally different in terms of of yeah. tone and 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 because me the first half is much more of the the WB kind of or CW type thing. But In my defense, the I'm WB was the CW originally. They're, they're the same thing to me. The CW was the WB. Okay. Okay. They were. Okay, Boomer. Back in my day, in they my had day. a thing called the WB. We did have the WB. They're there the were same tiny thing. little frogs, and they carried canes. It was one frog that I carried can't a remember. cane. It's the one yeah. frog. The one potentially... Old man yelling at clouds continues. <laughs> Missing the entire it point. It was one frog. It was just one frog, God damn it. Not, not multiple frogs. We only had one frog, not just multiple frogs. Uh, so I've got some good news. What's that? So Blue Beetle did not do great at the box office its first week. Doesn't sound like good news. Oh, does it have legs? It's doing better than expected. Okay. Because originally they were predicting that it was going to lose like like 60-something percent of its audience was okay. what they predicted. Yeah. Only lost about 50. Okay, which 10%. Which is good. Compared to Shazam, which was 75, and Shazam Fury of the Gods, <laughs> which was 69%. It feels like you're picking on somebody in particular The, the, the Blue Beetle drop was not as bad okay. as they expected. Oh, so, so the good news is not as bad as Shazam. Yes, not as bad, and and generally better than most superhero films in okay. recent in recent years. So what what's the box office? How did it do overall in terms of the first week? Is it did it, it have a good opening, a great opening? It had a, it had a, it had a soft because okay. originally they were think they were predicting it was going to be like between twenty and thirty. Yeah. At the start, it looked like it was going to be closer to the thirty yeah. level. It ended up at like twenty five. So it had a soft opening. Soft opening, but they're saying a lot of that was because that was the hurricane in California. Yeah, but but so a fifty percent drop for a soft opening versus yeah. a sixty percent drop for a hard opening. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're still, but it's it still doesn't feel like great news. No, it's still, but it is. It does seem like it's, it beetle. is doing better than people might have thought after week one and okay. week two. So yeah. It's, I I there was I wouldn't say there was a ton of enthusiasm yeah. in the theater I was in. Actually, the theater was pretty empty. Yeah, except for a couple of kids who screamed the whole time. Oh jeez. Yeah, which might have affected my experience. It might have affected Hope's nap too. A little bit. Yeah. Well, she, I made her stay up, so yeah. she did. She did stay awake for the entire movie. Excellent. That's Only good. because I forced her after the popcorn ran out. Yeah. 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 So you can't sleep during a movie. Like I draw the line. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever slept during a movie in a theater. Never gone to a theater and slept. Oh, I never have. Yeah, no. No, Can't I never do have it. either. Can't do it. Yeah, anything else? Uh, I'm not, I, think, I think that pretty much I covers it. Because we're pushing an hour. This, is a, yeah. this was a nice, tight, yeah. incisive 
Yeah. What season are we in? Kickoff to season number, I think this, is it eight? Eight? Seven or eight. It's seven or eight. Wow. I'd have to look. Eight seasons. I will say it was also kind of nice to have a film that did not seem as preoccupied with tying into the larger DC. Right. Which is one of the reasons why James Gunn has said it could be in the new version, because it's not really bogged down with the the continuity. which Which is great, but it also kind of suggests that a Latinx hero... Mm. has to be segregated to be part of the universe. Yeah. If I were going to read it negatively. Yeah. And I don't want to because I appreciate the intentions yeah. of this film. And there are some moments, I think, yeah, you're right, that, that, that carry those intentions through yeah. pretty nicely. It just, there's a lot of other encumbrance. Yeah, well, and, and a lot of it comes in the second half of the film, almost as if they're sort of stuck in the first half, kind of having to do some things that they might otherwise. The, yeah, and the first half is such a standard origin. Yes kind of story and you have been complaining about that at least as far back as dr strange yes i have so yeah yeah Yeah, i mean but for the stuff they do in the second if if they had not done the the political stuff that we talked about in the second half right i would probably be feeling much worse about this film just because it would it would be it looked like it we even talked about this from the trailer yeah it looked like it was going to be kind of a bog standard you know superhero origin yeah you know even the second half i'm not to me, it's pretty bog standard from start to finish as a, a story and a narrative, but mm-hmm. the, 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 po- the political intent does mm-hmm. definitely distinguish it yeah. as something different. Yeah. 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 I yeah. think we're on the same page. On so that. I don't know. Would you, do you recommend it, The Blue Beetle? I actually do recommend The Blue I actually okay. would recommend it. I think it's, I think it's, it's a movie that I think, you know, has really bad timing and, and, uh, it's by no means not without its flaws. Some execution problems. But I, w- I, you know, I will give it credit in that it seems yeah. like it had ambition to be something maybe yeah. more than it was, yeah. as opposed to a lot of the superhero stuff coming out these right. days that yeah. seems to not have much ambition beyond continuing the universe. I think that's fair. I, I would not give it a strong recommend, yeah. but I wouldn't give it a thumbs down yeah. either. Yeah. Pretty fine movie. Mm-hmm. Pretty fine. Perfectly fine. Perfectly. That's what I meant to say. Perfectly fine. 